thank you so much. I appreciate that. It is a challenging thing to follow the Lord. And it's never going to be easy. But He did promise us that His yoke is easy, His burden is light. But when you're swimming upstream, things can change a lot, can't they? When you follow the Lord. Uh, it's interesting, when we choose to follow the Lord, or when God chooses us, I should say, and we respond to that, then all of a sudden, things begin to come clear, and so, some things begin to come fuzzy. And when that happens, it's good to ask questions. Uh, you would agree with me, it's good to ask questions, right? Yes? It's, it's good to ask questions. Uh, you know, sometimes people say uh, there are dumb questions, and, and there are, let's just be honest. That's just professors or teachers' way of saying they want the class to engage, but sometimes there are dumb questions. Uh, but sometimes you just have to ask questions. So my nine-year-old son, uh, was we were watching Virginia Tech, and if you know anything about Virginia Tech, they're named after a turkey. I'm just being honest. They're called the, the Hokies. Well, my son did not know they were called the Hokies. I knew he was my son because he thought they were called the Hokies. And so he was going, why are they called Hokies? And I, I just, I mean, after I fell out laughing, I realized that, man, he is his father's son because hoagies are made of bread. It's beginning and end. It's the first and the last. The alpha and the mega is bread. And so I thought, man, he, he's, he's with me like he's understanding. But I said, no, they're not hoagies. They're hokies. He's like, what's a hokey, you know? And so it's good to ask questions. It's good to try and figure out. Uh, what the Lord is saying, what the Lord is doing. It's good to dig in deep. And so when you ask questions, I, I think you have to um, really respond to those questions. I, I think there's a response. Even an indecision is a what? It's a no decision. If I, if, I ask, if I were to ask my wife out when we were dating and she says, I don't know, if I keep asking her and she keeps saying, I don't know, an indecision is a no decision. And so what happens is, it's good to ask those questions. And so I, I came across a question because we're focusing on the promises of Jesus and the promises of Scripture. And the question is, do I have the courage to trust those promises when I don't see anything else flowing that way? So here's the question. And by the way, it's all on Summit Church Facebook if you want to follow the notes. It says, do I believe because of the gospel of Jesus that I have the Holy Spirit? Do I believe, because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, do I believe that I have the Holy Spirit? And, and so, you might say, well, the obvious answer is yes. But sometimes, the application answer is, I don't know. Because if we believe, really, that the very Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is alive within us, I do believe that things would change in me, right? Remember what I told you about weddings? I've taught you about this. Y'all know that 
There's a wedding coming up in my household. But I, I, I know... I know that when I looked at my wife and, you know, I'm saying those vows and I, you know, um, I will have you from this day forward for better, for worse. And like I'm just looking into her eyes and I'm melting and, and I'm saying those things. When I'm saying those vows, like I'm meaning the vows. But when my wife says those vows, she is saying some things are going to change up in here. And I think when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, question is do some things change up in here so what happens when the holy spirit takes over us acts chapter 2 let's look there and see what the lord says uh, you know the context you know it is pentecost that is a celebration from the old testament right there was a celebration of when moses came down with the word of the lord and here we have the celebration 50 days after the resurrection, and boom, here is uh, the Holy Spirit coming upon the believers. The believers, all they were doing was they were together, and they were praying, and then they said, well, we're going to go to the temple because, hey, that's what we do. We, 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 we go to encounter the Lord. So they're waiting on the promise of the Holy Spirit. Now, when we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ as God captivates our hearts, as He justifies us, as He reconciles us, as Jesus satisfies the, uh, the wrath of God because of our sins through His sacrifice, sacrificial atonement. So when those things happen, here we are, we're in right standing with God. We receive the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit begins to take over and over in us, but there are some marks here. I think there's some external marks that what happens, do I believe as God has promised me the Holy Spirit, as God has promised us the Holy Spirit, do we believe that? Let's just kind of look at some scripture there in Acts chapter 2. So the Holy Spirit comes upon the believers. And the world says that they're drunk. Right? And the Bible would concur. Do not be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, but be what? Come on, somebody, filled with the Holy Spirit. So when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you do things you wouldn't normally do, just like when you were drunk. Okay, some of you hadn't been drunk, but just get a visual with me. Right? When you are drunk, or you've had friends that were drunk, or you saw somebody drunk, it's called liquid courage, people. People do things they wouldn't normally do. Beer goggles, you have a name for them. Whatever you want. My point being is that when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, when I am filled with the Holy Spirit, I'll do things I wouldn't normally do. That is, become a pastor. Right? I wouldn't do that if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit. So what are some external marks? Let's look at the passage. So they're saying you're drunk. Here's some, here's some remarks to that. Verse 14. But Peter stood up with the eleven. Mm. But stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and proclaimed to them, Men of Judah, and all you residents of Jerusalem, let me explain this. Now, I'm, I'm digging these words. Like I'm, I'm liking the, the emphaticism of this. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only nine in the morning. 
So here's an external mark. You ready? Here's the first external mark that the Holy Spirit comes upon us. When the Holy Spirit, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, when we are sealed with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit makes us bold. The Holy Spirit makes us bold. I'm telling you, I would not be convinced to do what I do and say what I say if it was not the Holy Spirit within me. Because John's not really, I don't really like confrontation. That's not really my game. That's not my flow. That's not how I want to go. But if you really, listen, if you're flowing with the Lord, you, you don't mind standing with the Lord. And if when you stand with the Lord, sometimes you have to be bold in the Lord. Sometimes you have to go ahead and stand up. But here's some... What does boldness look like? Look at verse 14. But Peter stood up. Your version might have said stand. You know what's interesting about this? When it says when Peter stood up, it literally in the Greek means place. When we know we're in the place that God has for us, we can be what? Bold. When you know you're in the place that God has you, and he, we can be bold. There's this, there's this anointing that's on him, and he's saying, I am bold, I am standing in this place. And look what he says, but Peter stood up with 11. Notice there was unity. There's, there's boldness, like, like, right? Crowds create something. Crowds create movement. Because somebody or a couple of them were willing to stand up. But with the 11, and he raised his voice and proclaim that word might be declared in your version but notice that the word proclaim and declare in the original language means this it's not a word of everyday speech in other words if i'm really bold in the spirit then you're getting a word you wouldn't normally get come on somebody right you should get something in corporate worship when you come to corporate worship you should get something because there's something that's being declared verbally in words that you would not get anywhere else it is a proclamation and a declaration but it is something that's not of everyday speech when we come to corporate worship there ought to be words set up in here that nobody else can say out there come on that's called prophecy so here we see this and it wasn't like peter was being a jerk it wasn't like he was being a know-it-all it wasn't like he was listen he wasn't he wasn't being a jerk. He wasn't just standing up saying, I have a word from the Lord. Everybody else sit down, jabroni. That's not what he was saying, right? It, it's okay to laugh in Jesus, I promise you. It's, it, God is fun. All right, so my, I, I want you to see, he's, not, he's responding to them. Boldness, I believe, sometimes comes with a response. Look back in verses 11 and 12. Cretans. And Arabs, hmm, we hear them speaking the magnificent acts of God in our own language. The reversal of Genesis 11. Here in Genesis 11, we know that God confused men's language because men was trying to do something for men. Man wanted to lift up man, but here, now they want to lift up Jesus, and all of a sudden, Jesus brought everybody together, and there was this glossa, Greek word, that, that says for tongues, that they were, not glossolalea, that's in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, it's a different word, somebody, and so what happens here, they're actually hearing an audible word, the words in their own language, which means, I could have gone down that list, which means that God's word is for everybody. 
There's nobody where God's word cannot be seen, felt, heard, and they respond. Verse 12. They were all astounded and perplexed, saying to one another, what could this be? But some sneered and said, they're full of new wine. In other words, like he responded, they're drunk. Listen, when, when the world is going to respond to the movement of God, and sometimes somebody in this room has got to stand up. Sometimes you just got to stand up in your house. When everybody else is saying, you're wick, wick, whack, right? That was my 80s version. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. You need a disco ball, people. So I, I just, you know, you, you look at this. What happens, sometimes you've got to stand up in your house. Sometimes you've got to stand up at your job. Sometimes you've got to stand up with your friends. And sometimes you just got to stand up against yourself. And you just got to say, here's Jesus. And here's what he says. And I'm not going to be ashamed. I'm going to be bold about it. And if it gets me fired, if it gets me kicked out, and if it gets me ostracized, made fun of, or shunned, guess what? I'd rather be bold for Jesus than alive for Satan. I'd rather stand up and be ostracized by the world because there's a day when a king is going to come right down this place. Notice the slant here, people, for visual effect. He's going to come straight down from the clouds, and then boom, he's going to say, well done, well done, good and faithful servants, enter into the joy of the the Lord. And then he's going to take to those who said, we don't need you, God. I'm going to be bold for Satan and not bold for you. And God's going to say, well, you get what you pay for. There'll be a day. And I would rather sleep at night and have the peace of God at four in the morning than wrestling with my thoughts and wrestling with the Lord, trying to figure things out. I'd rather sleep with the peace of the saints and just go ahead and relax than sit there and sweat about retirement and next move and next job and next relationship and what am I going to do? When we stand with the boldness of God, nothing else matters. You see, I want to promise you this. There's a day y'all are going to have to choose between your family and Jesus. You say, John, I don't know what you're saying. Let me break it down. When I went into the ministry and my family pushed back and pushed back hard, there's a day that you have to say, I know what God told me, and I'm going to stand on it. And though the earth may tremble and fall and fail, my God won't. And though I don't know if I am going to have a job, my God will not fail. When I was forced out in coaching here, well, I, I, I just, I did it because they were trying to force me out. I, my wife looked at me and said, you're nuts. And you would say amen. But I want to say this. When I only went 48 hours without a job, there's one thing that my wife holds on to now and forevermore, that there's a God who will supply all our needs. No, you ain't hearing me. You ain't listening. I'm talking to myself today. 
I'm talking, there's a God who'll supply. There's a day that you have to stand up and be bold for the Lord and not be ashamed about what he's going to ask you to do. Because let's be honest, you can keep, listen, you can be saved and keep Jesus at a distance, Peter. You can be saved and keep Jesus at a distance. But I want to tell you something, your life will be a struggle your life will be a struggle. But when you embrace Christ, oh, there will be a struggle that comes. But I want to tell you, the struggle won't wear you out. The God in you will wear out that struggle. I know that because I've been there. I know that because I've had to do that. I know what it's like not to have no money and be broke and no clothes and kids walking around and pants, high waters all up to here, everybody making fun, and I'm sitting there in tears going, I can't even provide, and all of a sudden everybody's breathing down my back, family breathing down my back. You can't provide. You're no good. You know this. And I want to tell you, you've got to choose this day whom you will serve. For me and my house, we will serve Jesus Christ. For me and my house, we will serve him. Now, I ain't dumb. You said, well, John, that's bad English. The Bible says if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. I'm not saying that I don't need to work. But what I am saying is the work I'm going to do is going to be God. And that goes against every strategic plan you will learn in business finance and man's accounting and man's economy and man's kingdom. Build your little kingdom, but I'm going to choose to build his. And being bold in the Lord is not pleasant. And I don't want to act like that all of a sudden you've got to put yourself in Peter's shoes here. Come on. You've got to say 50 days earlier there was the resurrection and they were hiding. They were hiding behind locked doors and Jesus is going to appear to them. We're talking 53 days earlier. We're talking a crucifixion where everybody's scattered except for little young John. And little young John has got to take care of Jesus' mom. Everybody's scattered. Everybody's afraid. And to stand up in front of all those people at a huge festival where maybe it swelled over to 100,000. Normally Jerusalem's at 25,000. Maybe it swelled that big. I'm not sure. Scholars debate about it. But if you look at it, all of a sudden Peter's going to stand up in a place where he wouldn't have stood up before. And it wasn't because of him. It was because of the Holy Spirit. And so we got to stand up. We have to stand up. People are talking about, I vote for him. I vote for him. I vote for him. I'm voting for Jesus. And if I can't find nobody to vote for Jesus, I'm going to find the closest person I can find. And if he, I can't find him, then maybe some of us should run. Somebody's got to stand up. He wasn't being a jerk. He was responding to the pushback because he was not going to let the crowd, oh, this is good, somebody, he was not going to let the crowd, let me just say this, somebody, he was not going to let the crowd be persuaded by a lie when they could hear the truth. They're drunk. Lie from Satan. 
It's the Holy Spirit, brother. And if you taste his new wine, whoo, old wineskins can't hold that stuff. He will explode you. Spontaneous combustion, somebody. God will break out in you and I so much. I'm telling you, I'm not saying we are just, we are servants. We are going to be humble. We're going to eat dirt. But there's going to be days sometimes when I have to say, you know what? And you know what? I can't go with you that way. And even if I can't go with you that way, then maybe this is the only way I can go. Get your knife out and go ahead. This might be the only way I can go. Because though you slay me, I'm going to see him. But see, we don't want to do that because we're worried about our wife and kids and you're worried about your degree and you're worried about your finance and you're worried about your careers and making jobs. Listen, God wants you to be the best that you can in the place that he's called you and you better go ahead and go for it and do the, you, we should be the best employees. We should be the best at any, I mean, listen, we are all missionaries. I am not the pinnacle. The pinnacle ministry is not pastoring. The pinnacle ministry is obeying Jesus. The pinnacle ministry is being like Kevin, the best architect that he can be because in his reputation, he can say, I laid down my life for Jesus Christ if that's what he calls. But I know this, either way, I'm laying something down because I'm denying myself. I'm going to take up the cross and follow me. So the crowd, we got to silence the crowd because the crowd always wants to follow Satan and listen to a lie. But somebody's got to stand up and tell him the truth. And notice that Peter didn't stand alone. He had 11 with him. But somebody out of the 12 had to stand up. Peter wasn't a live wire. He wasn't odd for God, but there was unity within the church. So when the Holy Spirit takes over, he makes us bold. When the Holy Spirit takes over, the scriptures come alive. Look at verse 16 and following there. This is where it gets really good. On the contrary, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. And now Peter is going to bust out some scripture. Listen, when I radically got transformed by the gospel at 18 years old, all of a sudden the Bible, instead of sitting in the, in the, in the living room of my parents' house that was a big old book, always on Psalm 23, and you better not turn that page because that was mama's favorite chapter. And if you turn mama's favorite chapter, she's going to turn you behind. We don't believe in sparing the rod, people, at my house. That's what my mama believed. World War II people. Children be seen, not heard. Problem was, I, I was heard a lot, screaming and yelling, never mind, y'all know what I'm talking about. So, but all of a sudden, the word of God went from being this on a living room table in a room that you don't even walk in, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? All of a sudden, there was something I couldn't get enough of. It became alive to me, and all of a sudden, the word becomes alive. The word becomes alive, the Bible word becomes alive to us because Jesus the word became alive to us. Hmm. Make the point, make the connection. When the w- Jesus becomes alive, you can't get enough of this because you can't get enough of his words because you, don't want, you can't get enough of him. So all of a sudden he goes to the prophet Joel, look what he says, and it will be in the last days. I'm loving it when he says last days here. It's getting me a little excited. He goes, uh, on the contrary, this is what was... Uh, spoken to the prophet Joel and it will be in the last days God said that I will pour out my spirit on who saints I didn't hear you on who that means everybody 
It's not like over here, Billy Graham, spiritual elite. Over here, well, this person's over here. Uh, uh, you know, he, this person, Priscilla Schreier, she's, she's, she's the best. No, the whole is the same spirit that's in them as the same spirit that's in us. The difference is the reason why some of them are so effective is because they're so willing compared to me sometimes who is not. Then your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Joel chapter 2, he's, he begins to quote, the scripture's coming alive. Listen to this. In other words, your old men will dream dreams. Uh, let me just make a side note. I don't know who said it, and I wrote it, I wrote it in my Bible here, and I can't believe I wrote this thing, but I, I wanted to make sure I got it. I wrote it in here. What's interesting about this is that when I, I looked at this, is he said this. I wrote it in here. It says things will, will, will reawaken in us. In other words, we'll begin to dream dreams. If you don't have a dream, maybe because we're not obeying Jesus. See, when, when I spend time with the Lord, uh, Robbie was talking about this day. He's like, oh, you know, I got these visions. I got these dreams of where we could be. And here's what happens. That's the Holy Spirit driving you to make it to be that way. And so the enemy wants to say it can't be that way because there's too much against us. But the last time I checked, if God is for us, who can be? Never mind. See, things awaken inside you. Things awaken inside us when, we, when the Lord becomes, Scripture becomes alive. And all of a sudden, we read the Bible, you hear a sermon, something happens, and it speaks to you, and you say, i got to do it. And all of a sudden, the world's going, weirdo, you're in school, you're a weirdo. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Listen, people are already talking about you anyway. Why not give them something really good to talk about, who is Jesus? Because right? you're not going to please everybody. Now, I know you're in high school, you think you're cool and you got everybody, but I just want to tell you something. The older you get, the older you get, the more people are going to talk. Right? They're going to talk about your jobs, they're going to talk about your school. You might as well go ahead and just be who God wants you to be because I'm not going to let people define who I am because the last time I checked, they always want to define me lower than them. No, you didn't hear. When you let people define you, they're always going to keep you beneath them. Why? So they can be better than you. They're always going to keep me below them so that they can be better than me. That's the world. But when we follow Jesus, we have blinders of what, and sometimes our ears are closed to what other people say because there's only one voice screaming to us, and that's the Spirit. Things will reawaken. You'll have dreams, visions. Some of us need to be reawakened in the Lord. I will even pour out my spirit on male and female slaves. Listen to what he's saying in those days. He's saying that there's not a class, there's not a social, economic, nothing where Jesus Christ cannot be seen, felt, heard, or experienced. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And what man tries to classify, God denies. It's for anyone. They will prophesy. I will display wonders in, heaven, in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and a cloud of smoke. Oh, he's talking last day language. If someone gets elected, we might be there pretty close. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. You can sense the fiery heat 
the fire of God coming and, 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 and burning the elements. So he's giving you a language of color, blood. Before the great and remarkable, terrible, day of the Lord comes. The big capital D, day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Notice what he's saying. As the world winds down, the spirit winds up. That's what amazes me. Look there in verse 14 with me, if you don't mind. Back to 14. Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and proclaimed. Uh, Another version is declared. Uh, You see what what he's saying there. But what's interesting, some versions, uh, this. And then he goes, men of Judah and all you residents of Jerusalem, let me explain. The word explain. Now he's explaining the word of God. The spirit makes the word come alive. So that word right there, if you want to circle it, write it down, pray through it. That word means to learn, perceive, and feel. When you sense the spirit of God, the word of God, I mean, I I don't want to use like feeling like emotional language. Forgive me for my little vocabulary. I I told you I fell 10th grade. Just get over it. And my, my point is, is that it's this point where I begin to sense his, the word gives me conviction. In a good way. It gives me strength and power, the spirit within me. In other words, he's explaining it in a way that people are sensing it inside their heart. And maybe today some of you are feeling it. Because 2 Timothy 3.16, you already know this verse. All scripture is what? Well, some of you know. All scripture is what? God breathed. I'm convinced that if the Spirit of God is alive in me because Jesus, who's the Word, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was with God. He was with God in the beginning. Listen, I'm convinced of this. If Jesus Christ, the Word, is alive in us, by, and the, He has sealed us and given us His presence, part of his, the Holy Spirit, part of the Trinity, within us, when that Holy Spirit connects with this word then God's word breathes life I am convinced that every time we read the word of God in the sense that we meditate and we want to connect with it and we want to deeply engage with it that God is breathing life into us and I am convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that God will breathe life into me. And if he will breathe life into me, he can breathe life into any situation. Come on. He can breathe life into finances, marriages, friends, problems, pain, suffering, death. He can even say, but John, that ain't working out because I tried to invite God into my relationship and my relationship went jacked up. That's right, because one of you was inhaling and the other one was exhaling. I'm going over here and talking to myself. That was really good, John. Thank you so much. All right, so somebody's breathing in the word and somebody's rejecting the word, exhaling. How can two walk together unless they agree? A quarter three is not easily broken. You know what scripture says? When you inhale, when we inhale the word of God, life comes to every situation. I quote scriptures over situations because I'm breathing life into it. What do we do backstage? We took oil, right? We were a couple minutes late coming out, right? Before we prayed over you. We took, we took some oil. We, we, we touched our feet. You know what we do back, backstage? What we do today? We took some oil. All of us took some uh, oil. I left it back there, I think, somewhere. 
Don't judge me, people. It's right here. It's not moonshine. So what do we do? This is how I rolled. I'm not fancy, okay? All right, this is mason jar, right? So we took the oil in here. Y'all see it? We took the oil. And what we did is we took the oil. We put some on our fingers right here. That's real greasy. And then we took it. And what we do? What do we do? We start up. We got on our knees, didn't we? And then we, put, we touch our feet. We say, God, blessed are the feet, right? Blessed are the feet that carry the gospel of peace. Then we touch our spirit, right? We touch our our, right here inside our visceral, our intestinal area, he said, God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. We're quoting scripture, right? Now all of a sudden we touch our hearts. God took out our heart of stone and gave us a heart of flesh so that we can know him. We touch our mouths, right? Because out of the mouth, the heart speaks. We want to speak the very words of God. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh Lord, my rock, my redeemer. Did we not say those words exactly? And then all of a sudden we touch our ears, right? John chapter 10, my sheep know my, come on somebody. Right, see, you see, we're touching our ears because I don't want anything that I hear today, I don't want to hear what you have to say, I want to hear what he has to say. Come on. Right, then I'm touching my eyes. Right, I'm touching my eyes. God, my eyes looking to the hills from which cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. I touch my mind. We touch our minds. We're on our knees. We touch our mind. God didn't give, God gave us the mind of Christ. First Corinthians 2.16, right? Right, because transformation, Romans 12.2, comes in the mind, right? I reverse one, I urge brothers to view God's mercy, to offer your bodies living sacrifice and holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual, a reasonable act of worship. Verse two, do not conform any Long, longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your, there you go. So that's what we do. That's what we do because we can't come out here and be us. We got to come out here and be him. See, he's breathing life. Robbie, will you play with me? If you don't mind. You get rid of that Seattle hat, you'll be all right. You need a Philly hat. Sinner. <laughs> See what he tried to hit me and he missed because the protection of the Lord. <laughs> God is not only my front but rear guard. <laughs> he said I'm a bad thrower. No, but that's what we did, right? That's what we did back there. Because we don't want to come out here and be something we're not. I just believe, like Robbie, I just believe the Lord wants to breathe life into people. I didn't even get through the whole sermon, sorry. Because I'm like Rocky Three, Clubber Lang, I got a lot of mo. Y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. Boys to Men, ABC, BBD, East Coast Family. Just Google. life and so though Robbie some of us didn't feel like it this morning did we scripture breathed life into us if you want to breathe life listen when you breathe, breathe scripture into your marriage your marriage still might fail well John what good is it I'll tell you what good is it because if you listen to it then God's going to change you and you might say well what does that mean it didn't save my marriage no but it saved you because you would have responded and self-medicated your pain and you might have gone and just gone crazy and slept around. You might have just or partied your brains out, everything else. But God says, no, you know what? Though somebody might deny you, I'm never going to deny you. And guess what? If they want to walk out on you, I'll just send you somebody who won't. Yeah, I, I, yes. 
some of you are like, uh, should I clap? I don't know. Yeah, it's okay. I promise you, God is faithful. God is faithful. And he won't leave you in that time of darkness, but for so long. I have so much I want to show you. I want to go to Jeremiah 25. I want to bust out Jeremiah 29, 10 through 14. I wanted to go to Daniel chapter 9, verses 2 and 3. I wanted to show you that God has a time limit, even on his discipline. So if he has a time limit on his discipline, he has a time limit until he answers. God is going to answer. But we've got to keep breathing life because the marks of the Spirit is boldness. The marks of the Spirit is that Scripture comes alive in us and we become alive. Or if I had time just to go through and quote how God will reawaken for us all these things and we'll see in Him what He's called us to be. And then the last thing is I just, man, I'm just going to go there, verse 22, Acts 2, 22. Men of Israel, listen to these words. This Jesus, the Nazarene. Now, this is, this is what I had to stop, Robbie. I literally had to stop. Because I, I, in John chapter 1, John chapter 1, there, Jesus calls a disciple. And this disciple, he's getting ready to call him. And this disciple, his, his, his family members telling him about him. And, and this future disciple says, has anything good come out of Nazareth? Now, y'all not, not listen to what I'm saying. Has anything good come out of Nazareth? We learn later in the Gospel of John, chapter 7, when Nicodemus is kind of getting ripped for taking up for Jesus, and, and the, the Pharisees, I mean, well, the, like the chief priests and everybody are ripping him and say, listen, study the Scriptures. Has anything, there's no, there's no prophet come out of Galilee. Where Nazareth is a little town in? What I'm trying to say is where men say nothing can good can come out of, oh, God can do something and bring something great. See, where I came from, little Salisbury, North Carolina, where we made fun of and called it Smallsbury, but what I'm trying to say, everybody that was in my class never thought, oh, no, John Davis would never be a pastor. But let me tell you, well, has anything ever good come out of Nazareth? When God touches it, it can. And so God can touch you and I, and it can. And what people say you can't, God says you can. But you've got to believe. You've got to believe and step and obey and be bold in the obedience and let the Word of God continually breathe life when everybody else is trying to suck you dry, Robbie. The reason why we got no breath is because we get messed around with too many other people besides Jesus. So this is, I want to land this plane. But you have so much more. So this is why we have an invitation. You don't get saved. Let me explain. You don't get saved by coming forward. Though I grew up in a church like that, and there's nothing. Listen, I praise God for sending old school people. You know what I mean? People want people want to put down old school, but let me tell you something. If it wasn't for old school, I would, I wouldn't be here. You know, God saves you right where you are when you, when you realize that you're wrecked and you're sin. You can't do anything about it. But Jesus can. Jesus. And he can save you from the worst or the smallest. It's only him. And your good works, they're not even good to him. The Bible calls them filthy rags. And so salvation comes 
because the Spirit of God is breathing life into your dead spirit. And there in your seat you realize, man, I am wrecked. I'm standing in front of God right now in the presence of God or sitting in front of the presence of God. And I am condemned to hell. But because God loves me so much, he's not going to leave me in a, to a bad place or let me stay in that bad place that he's going to rescue me. And it's not what I'm rescued from, it's who I'm rescued to. Because the value is not getting out of hell, the value is coming to him. So, God saves you there. But So, why, personally, do I always altar call or whatever you want to call it I'll tell you why because in my walk with Jesus I'm just going to be very transparent Robin I've been so broken in my walk so many times with the Lord trying to hear from the Lord and wrestling with the Lord that sometimes in a corporate gathering I, I say this I just come forward and I kneel and I just say Lord I don't feel like you're hearing me at home I don't feel like you're hearing me at work I don't feel like you might hear me wherever I'm at my car but maybe you'll hear me here and then it's sweet when somebody comes and puts their hands on you, isn't it? I mean, you don't know what they're saying. Sometimes they feel led by the Lord to prophesy and, and pray with you openly. And sometimes they say things exactly what you need. But to know that at least that somebody cares and puts their hand on you. I, I tell you, Robbie, I'm not willing to give that up because that's to have somebody touch. If Christ is the head of the body and we are the hands and the feet and, and all the other stuff, right, the eyes and the ears, then if the body of Christ touches me and Christ is the head of the body, then that's Christ in a human touch. And maybe today you just need the Lord to breathe some life. Listen, I, I watched Stephen Furtick do this in his, um, that's how, where I got this little thing from, just because something he does, and I thought, man, that's pretty cool. It's something we do, and just to try to breathe life. Because here's what's going to happen. The world's life is going to take it out of us. But Jesus will breathe life eternal. Nobody's too far gone. Nobody's too broken. And I'm talking to believers. There's no situation that God cannot use. But I know this following Jesus. It's very difficult. It's very easy to be saved, but it's very difficult to follow, right? Can I get a witness from these students? I mean, God's called you some things. It's pretty hard. But let me tell you something. God's going to call you to hard things, not so that you can be victorious, but that people will see nothing but Jesus because we'll be so broken, there ain't but one person that can put us back together. And that's the beauty of the Lord. So why do we do this? Is maybe you just want to experience the presence of the Lord. Maybe you want to be prayed for. Maybe you just want to come to Jesus. You just want to come to the altar. So that is my prayer. Like that elevation song, oh, come to the altar. I told you wrong, Robbie. I hate when I'm about to cry. Because I was raised, don't ever cry. That's how I was raised. That song will come to the altar by elevation. You, you love it. You've turned everybody on. You've got J.D. addicted to it. And when he... When you told me that that was going to be your walkout song, 
that you didn't want people to see you coming to the plate to try to hit a ball. But you wanted people to see this as an act of worship to the king. That's Jesus. I tell you, God can work in my household where I fail. That's why I cry. He can work in me. So Lord, we just come to the altar. Maybe somebody in here needs to be, life needs to be breathed into them. Maybe they've been praying for that family member and they're just, Lord, they're just dry because that family member's so lost. And they're broken. Maybe they've been hurt and they've been abused. Maybe they've been neglected. Maybe they, they feel like, Lord, they just keep trying to serve you and everything that they put their hands to just doesn't go right. Maybe they just need a little breath. Maybe they need a little breath of life come into them. They just need some breath. Maybe somebody in this room just needs some breath. Maybe their job has just sucked them dry. Maybe they got news that just took their breath away. Maybe they just need a little breath. And so, Lord, that's why we just kind of open this up, Lord. Just as We just want to spend time as a church family. We want to come to the altar. Oh, come to the altar. God, sometimes I'm just so confused in my life. I don't know what to do. And I end up messing everybody up and everything because I just sit frozen. What I love about you is that when I come to the altar, King David said, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. And because one day can change the life of everybody in this room. One moment, one encounter with Jesus can change the life. One day at the altar can change the life. One day in their seat can change the life. One day at home with encountering Christ can change their life. Just one moment with Jesus and everything changes. Dreams, hopes, visions, everything changes because life begins to come in us because you're the one who can only give life. Oh, come to the altar. That is my prayer. My prayer is that we will stand and kneel and pray and seek and just be real with God because if he allows us to come to the altar, great things he has done. Lord, that is my prayer. I pray this all over. And this wonderful family I call Summit. It's my prayer. I know you're going to tell Robbie what to do, lead us. But all I can think about how we come to your altar and you're beautiful so my prayer is this Lord because I want it to be your word when they heard this they came under deep conviction and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles brothers what must we do Repent, Peter said to them, and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit.
For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. That's us, Lord. And then the last part of the verse, as many as the Lord our God will call. You have called. May we respond. In Jesus' name, I pray.